The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. But let's start with the situation in Hammanskral with that outbreak of cholera. The Twani mayor, Silias Brink, saying that uh, the cholera outbreak should be treated as a national emergency as well as a humanitarian and human rights uh, crisis. There have been various uh, commentaries and uh, press conferences taking place around this. The Deputy Minister of Water and Sanitation, David Maklobo, saying earlier today that uh, the political instability in the Twani municipality has contributed to the water crisis in the city, also saying that uh, they are urgently looking for ways to uh, get involved with uh, the situation. Earlier today, there was also a briefing by the Department of Health and the NICD, so we're going to bring you some of that firstly. Sandile Potelezi, the Director General of the Health Department, speaking earlier. Let's have a listen to what he had to say to do today is to go through a number of issues, uh, including uh, firstly starting by um, uh, going through uh, NICD giving us all the figures and uh, how we actually detect uh, that there is an outbreak. In addition to that, uh, we will then have uh, the, the different experts uh, taking us through this. What we did yesterday is um, we, we were on site together with the Deputy Minister of Health and deputy Min- two Deputy Ministers, uh, Deputy Minister Shabalala and Deputy Minister Mashobo, uh, uh, from uh, Department of Water and Sanitation, uh, the MMCs and the councillors, and of course our MMC for Health, uh, just to try and put together a structure in place to be able to respond appropriately. What was agreed in that meeting is that we'll put together two levels of structures that will sort of be like a command unit. There's a political one and a technical one, and we have our first meeting today, which includes uh, our our team from Gauteng, team from the department, I've invited NICD, and of course teams from the municipality and teams from water and sanitation so that we have a coordinated multi-sector response. And then Dr. Juno Thomas from the NICD also spoke at the briefing. The lab staff throughout the NHLS have been advised to, to be on high alert for stool specimens that are very watery and to test for cholera in these specimens, even if culture hasn't been specifically requested by the clinician. So as things stand at the moment, they don't actually know the source of the cholera uh, because they did do tests um, and came back negative. So they are still seeking. Uh, so um, they tested water in the area. They tested negative for traces of the bacteria. So they are still trying to find the source of the cholera. There is a lot of political finger pointing and, and blaming going on as well. The ANC saying that it's alarmed and saddened by the cholera outbreak. Uh, they're saying that uh, the ruling party is outraged. Uh, the party spokesperson saying the tragedy unfolding in Hamans Kral is a direct outcome of a municipality that has been sleeping on the job and failed dismally to provide clean and safe drinking water. As I mentioned, also the deputy minister saying that this is a result of coalition governments. Uh, some people pointing to the fact that, remember Edwin Sodi, the ANC funder, his business was paid 300 million rand to upgrade the Royval wastewater treatment plant and that money uh, allegedly went to luxury cars and went to all sorts of other things as well. So at at the end of the day, you've got residents of Hamans Kral who are being affected by this and gift of the givers. 
the foundation has stepped in here to deliver thousands of litres of bottled water to that community in Haman's Kral. A team reporting to the Jubilee District Hospital uh, delivering those uh, litres of water. Clifford Mabe is the Gauteng Communication Liaison Officer for the Gift of the Givers. Clifford, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. How did the Gift of the Givers get involved here? Good afternoon. Uh, so we got, we got a request on Sunday uh, for how much child disaster, uh, but we're still waiting for our supplies. And on Monday, yesterday, we do a dispatch to Jubilee Hospital, and then we distributed uh, about 1,440 liters, 5-liter bottles, and then uh, 140 10 liters of bottles in Jubilee Hospital. So today we are on our way to, uh, uh, to, to Hamas Kral. We're going to do clinics around Hamas Kral. So we're going to start with Carousel. Uh, Carousel View Clinic, and then we're gonna do go to Majani Clinic, and then Tamba Clinic, and then Boss Plus Clinic. That's our plan for today. Uh, Clifford, what are you seeing on the ground in Haman's Kral? Uh, we know that that number has grown from ten to twelve to fifteen people um, who yeah. died. Uh, we've got scores of people that have presented at the hospital with diarrhea and stomach cramps and nausea. Yeah, what are the residents there saying to you? So the residents are panicking them because now they because they, uh, they, they they can't. Uh, and know where this, uh, this problem coming from because the, the, the city of Sunday declared that the water is clean. But now the, 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 the communities are scared. So as give us, give us we decided that we're going to go strictly with uh, silt bottled waters because the requests came in for Jojo tanks and water, but we cannot risk that. So we, we, we said that we're going to only do uh, silt bottled waters. So tomorrow we're going to work with the municipality, the municipality, and then we're going to distribute about uh, hygiene packs for the community in in, in, in uh, and municipal office tomorrow. So today we're only dealing with clinics. Uh, there's four clinics today. Clifford, thank you very much. Clifford Mabe is the Gauteng Com- uh, Communication Liaison Officer for the Gift of the Giver, speaking about their interventions in Hamans Kral, bottled water being handed out there. Of course, that's not sustainable long term. Uh, the Human Settlements Department has also ramped up water provision through water tankers to Hamans Kral. Let's speak now to the MMC, Offense Madzibatela. MMC, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, you have put out a statement saying that uh, there are now more water tankers more frequently in the Hamans Kral area. Tell us about that decision. Yeah. Um, good day, Mendy and the listeners of 702. Uh, maybe in context, maybe let me just also explain that we have two types of water tankers as a city that we are providing. We have one for formalized areas and one for informalized areas. So the formalized areas has been continuous for the last, um, it's been continuous, it's been seven days, and that one has never changed. The only one that had changed was the informal settlement water tanker provision that was reduced to three days due to the financial constraints, as you would know, of the city. So what we are doing now, only for this area that is being affected by by the outbreak, we are increasing the dates from three days to five days in order to mitigate and help with the situation. Now, you say in your statement that it is important to note that the city testing results from multiple sites around Temba and Hamanskra have come back negative for E. coli and cholera. Is this still the, the, the case? Do you still not know what the source is of the cholera? Yeah, that's very much true. But however, we are still waiting the, the results from the National Institute of Communicable Disease, um, which we are expecting the results tomorrow or the day after tomorrow uh, in order to, to finally uh, determine this. But we are also widening the, sca- the, the scope of testing 
Um, our testing teams have also gone out today to widen the scope, and uh, until we find the source, we cannot we cannot rest, uh, Mindy. Water tankers and the gift of the givers handing out water bottles. This is not sustainable long term. Uh, how does the city hope to deal with this this problem in the long term? Yeah, look, um, this, the situation of Hamaskal has, has has been long been ventilated over over years. And right now, in fact, we just came out of a meeting with the mayor and saying that we can no longer continue to blame um, other administrations or point fingers at other political parties. What we need to do is to find a solution to this. In fact, right now, as we are talking, we are discussing um, allocations and budget on to the very same project of Royval and on how to, to solve this. Tomorrow, the MMC of finance will outline the plans and where we will be spending in this area and how much we'll be spending in the coming financial year. MMC, thank you very much. Uh, MMC Offense Mazebatela, Twane Human Settlements MMC, speaking to us there, saying that he's just come out of that meeting and they are saying they can no longer blame other administrations. Well, I mean, that's really interesting, considering the fact that the ANC this morning put out a statement uh, saying that it's disappointed by the DA's half-hearted cooperation. Instead of joining hands with the provincial and national government to deal with the tragedy, the DA has resorted to their typical defensive buck-passing and finger-pointing exercises without accepting any responsibility. We urge the DA to take responsibility for their failure to provide water fit for human consumption and commit to addressing the problem. It sounded like he just said that they take responsibility and they need to find solutions to the problem. Uh, The other issue you've got here the deputy minister saying that this is as a result uh, of coalition governments and all of these administrations as well. And then you've got this issue of, of Edwin Sodi's company having received 300 million rand to upgrade the Royval wastewater treatment plant and that money not going where it's supposed to be going. There was a forensic report that was established to probe those tender irregularities. Uh, the city was supposed to lay criminal charges. I'm not sure if that has happened regarding the awarding of the tender. I think everybody needs to take responsibility here because we now have a cholera outbreak and they need to find a sustainable long-term solution. The Midday Report. As you heard in the EWN News Bulletin, there has been uh, something of a breakthrough in the negotiations between ESCOM and the unions uh, over wage negotiations. This is round three of wage negotiations, resuming between the three unions and ESCOM. Uh, There was some disagreement uh, between uh, what they wanted and what uh, ESCOM was offering. Nokokanya Mtambo, EWN reporter on that story. Nokokanya, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, What is the the breakthrough? Who, Who has moved? Good afternoon, Mandy. So it has been uh, Eskom who's made the first move during the third and the final round of these negotiations, as far as we've learned. The uh, negotiations between Solidarity, NUM, as well as NUMSA and Eskom are behind closed doors. Um, so the information that, we're, that we are getting is from closely placed sources in those negotiations. Eskom, as far as we understand this morning, after its offer, by 0.75%, moving from the initial 3.75 to make it 4.5%, Mandy. Um, but it isn't a showcase just yet that the unions will respond positively. We will learn throughout the day what the response of the unions is going to be to this now revised offer of 4.5%. So 4.5%, that's the number that ESCOM has, uh, as you say, you understand that they've moved to. What are the unions asking for? Because initially, the unions were asking for 15%. They dropped to 12%. Are they still there? 
So, so maybe there are three separate unions that are negotiating. Solidarity wants 10% um, in addition to a number of other demands. NUM dropped its, off, its initial demand from 15% during uh, round two of negotiations about two weeks ago down to 12%. Uh, and NUMSA has stuck to its guns wanting 15%. There are a host of other demands that they are making. And NUMSA, for example, also wants a standard uh, cell phone allowance of about 1,000 rand, uh, a housing allowance of about 7,000 rand, um, as well as the annual uh, performance bonuses at about 25% of the annual salary. So there are a host of other demands that the unions are making uh, and are hoping to get some concession from ESCOM as the negotiations uh, continue, Mandy. Nokokanya, this round of wage negotiations is scheduled from today until, um, what is today? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, May the 25th. Yes. Um, do you get a sense uh, from what you're hearing that this could be resolved before then, that this will be the final round? So initially when we had gotten a chance um, to speak to the unions outside of today, Mandy, that is, we had gotten a sense that they are willing to go as far as possible. There uh, is an issue with Eskom, of course, being cash-strapped and, and them citing their financial um, difficulties as uh, the reason why they cannot meet that uh, above-inflation demand by all of these unions. And the unions, um, you know, some of them at least, uh, admit that there is a, a financial crisis at Eskom, but they're saying the fact that uh, Eskom is relying so much on um, bailouts from government, including that uh, uh, 450 billion rand bailout that they got from Treasury at the start of the year, should be enough reason for them to, to get some breathing space and uh, should open up their coffers to allow for this increase to, to happen. The fact that they that Eskom has also increased tariffs by 18.75%. The unions are also saying this is enough reason um, to support the fact that while it is cash-strapped, they do have some breathing room and should be able to increase um, the wages. But Eskom saying that really is not the case because there are another a number of other um, issues that they need to deal with in terms of the, their uh, cash uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the sense that we are getting, Mandy, is that should this not be resolved on Thursday, this being the final round of negotiations, should it not be resolved on Thursday, the unions will then have to declare a dispute in this process and it then goes into a process of conciliation and finally arbitration. And we're hoping somewhere during that point that the unions and ESCOM will be able to find uh, each other. So there is still quite some time to go before the finalization of the matter. Nokukanya, thank you. Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter, giving us the latest there. So as she is reporting, ESCOM has moved from 3.75% to 4.5%. There are three different unions. Uh, they all want different things. Uh, NUM, um, ESCOM, uh, sorry, Solidarity, um, and NUMSA are negotiating there. They're still pretty far apart from each other at this stage, but at least there is some movement closer. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations.
In Parliament today, the South African uh, SA Tourism briefing the Portfolio Committee on its turnaround plan, its annual performance plan in the wake of uh, that fallout over the cancellation of the Tottenham deal. There's also been the recent resignation of the CEO, Minister Patricia DeLille's controversial appointment of an interim three-member board as well. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN's parliamentary reporter, listening to that. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. Thanks for your time today. Uh, a trip to New York, that is the topic of of discussion today. Yes, we got a bit waylaid, um, Mandy, at the start of proceedings today, and it, um, the discussion for more than an hour, really, on this um, report that was in the Sunday Times over the weekend uh, regarding this invitation that SA Tourism had made to this committee for three members to travel to New York for a Freedom Day event, that um, one of their marketing events. Uh, in New York, and there was this suggestion by SAT that they would pay for three MPs uh, at a cost of about 600,000 rand to travel to New York. Um, and the way the reporting has emerged from that event is that Patricia DeLille, the minister, put a stop to that, said that it was absolutely not allowed for SA Tourism to pay for MPs to travel uh, on a junket like that. And MPs absolutely incensed, Mandy, saying that uh, Patricia DeLille has impugned their dignity demanding an apology from them, saying that she had created this impression by these comments that she made to the Sunday Times, giving the impression that parliamentarians here were expecting SA Tourism to pay for this trip. What else are we expecting uh, to come up today and what uh, kind of reception is SA Tourism going to get if it's already so hostile when it comes to other issues like the Tottenham deal uh, and the dissolution of the board and, and the CEO stepping down? What can we expect to happen? Very loath always, Mandy, to make predictions because I could not have foreseen that they would spend over an hour on a, um, a newspaper article that has been so upset. But um, Patricia DeLore, the minister, is here with two of the three interim board members that you mentioned. And uh, you, you, you speak about those hostilities. It's very, very obvious, Mandy. Um, great antagonism towards Minister Patricia DeLore. But as we know, she's quite a feisty character herself and she's not uh, letting them... Um, uh, uh, if I can use the word bully her to a certain extent, she's uh, standing her ground. She's reminding them that she's been an MP in these uh, halls uh, for many years. But we do p- possibly expect discussions again as to, um, you know, ascertaining for sure that the Tottenham deal has been cancelled. And then really, Mandy, the intention of why SAT is here today is really to give Parliament a sense of what it is looking for um, forward to in the future, how it intends to spend their money, what are the kinds of campaigns, what are the kinds of sponsorships and deals and events that they intend to spend their money in the coming year. And as you pointed out with the Tottenham Hotspur issue, uh, having uh, raised um, uh, so many concerns over recent months, mm. um, they will want to be interrogating this plan put before Parliament very closely and the committee chairperson making it very clear, Mandy, that it was not Minister Patricia DeLoe who put a stop to the deal, insisting that it was um, this committee um, that put a stop to that deal. Lindsay, thank you as always. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN's parliamentary reporter, giving us an update there on SA Tourism. Uh, Minister Patricia DeLille briefing the Portfolio Committee on its turnaround plan and everything else that's been going on. That's uh, sure been an interesting ride for Patricia DeLille as she stepped into that portfolio and took it over from Lindy Wesisulu. Uh, uh, she's certainly giving the impression that she is making big decisions and, and really you know, towing a hard line. But she's getting a lot of resistance from this portfolio committee. The Midday Report.
about uh, the trial against the owners of the Inubeni Tavern, Wuyokazi and Siakangela Ndevo. That's continuing in the East London Magistrates Court today. The couple facing charges relating to uh, the selling of liquor to persons under the age of 18. 21 teenagers died uh, when they were partying at the establishment in June last year. Sipa Kema, EWN reporter, is there for us. Uh, Sipa, good afternoon to you. Tell us about what's happening in court today. Good afternoon to you, Maddie, and good afternoon to the listeners. Well, uh, court has started off quite late uh, today, and uh, uh, the first witness uh, to take the stand was actually a minor, an underage child, uh, who had attended that event that ended in tragedy uh, last year, June. Um, unfortunately, we were requested to leave the courtroom because this is a minor, uh, so they have to keep their identity um, hidden. And we were, we were then unable to hear, you know, what exactly the testimony was. But uh, we were informed that, of course, they're going to uh, give their sequence of events of that night as to what happened. And, of course, because of the charges they're facing, whether or not uh, minors were actually buying alcohol was this minor that was testifying as well uh you know buying alcohol allowed to buy alcohol as uh, an underage patron uh, at the establishment um just as we were called into court uh for the second witness uh we actually got a postponement court has been adjourned until tomorrow because of load shedding yet again now if you remember mandy the last time court was adjourned I was about to say uh, last time i spoke to you court was adjourned because of load shedding Exactly. In April, uh, and we were back today. From April to today, a month later, to be exact, uh, load shedding happens again. So we've had to adjourn for tomorrow. Fortunately, there is uh, a space for the court proceedings tomorrow uh, to continue. How often does this happen? You must go to this courthouse fairly frequently (laughs) to cover different matters. Um, We know it's not unique to East London, but but clearly this is affecting the criminal justice system and the the justice that needs to be seen to be done. Certainly, certainly. I mean, it's not just East London uh, to say, I mean, we we see this happening in other courtrooms. Uh, I know even it it was an issue uh, in in Dimbaza as well. Uh, It's been an issue as well in Alice. Uh, Load shedding has become a norm where now uh, court proceedings have to be rescheduled or moved to, uh, you know, reasonable dates and times and uh, around the load shedding schedule. But unfortunately, now that means that there's a backlog now of these cases waiting to be heard. Hence why the last court appearance was on the 25th of April, 25th of April, and now we appeared a month later on the 24th of May. It's because there was no, um, not just with the availability of the legal representation, but also the availability of the magistrate as well as the courtrooms because of other court proceedings and matters that are on the court's wall. So now this pushes back, you know, you know, it delays pushback times as well, and also causing that backlog in matters that were supposed to be on the court roll to be actually uh, moved or rolled over to another date. Mm. Well, Sipa, thank you very much. Uh, Sipa Kema, EWN reporter, uh, who's in the East London Magistrates Court, that trial against the owners of the Inyobeni Tavern that was underway. It's now been delayed again because of load shedding. This has a real fundamental impact on the, um, on, on the criminal justice system.
system. We know the high courts, many of them uh, are still working online uh, through uh, through Zoom meetings or Teams meetings just because of the impact of load shedding that uh, that continued uh, throughout the, the COVID pandemic and it just seemed to work. Uh, but to have in the smaller magistrates' courts like this constant delays and impacts because of load shedding is just not sustainable. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener on 702 at Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. So the Legal Practice Council is going ahead with a contempt of court application against the disbarred advocate Malasela Tefo. I know some people uh, last week were saying, oh, but he's not disbarred. He is disbarred. There was confirmation of this. Um, and uh, remember, Tefo kept interrupting proceedings when he attempted to address the court in the murder trial of Senzo Miwa. So the Legal Practice Council is uh, taking him to court. Khomotso Medise, EWN reporter, following the story. Khomotso, good afternoon to you. What is the LPC, the Legal Practice Council, what to want to achieve here? Well, the LPC wants uh, the, the court to make a ruling really on contempt of court. That is um, the charge that they've brought here to court today. But they also want, therefore, to be handed a one-year suspended prison sentence. And, uh, of course, it will be a provisional one that uh, if he does continue to practice as a lawyer, as he remains disbarred, then that sentence comes into effect and they essentially want him to serve some time. So um, the LPC was in court today, uh, ready to proceed with the matter, but uh, therefore has um, come to court with new lawyers that have told the court that they were only appointed yesterday and as a result they're not able to proceed with the matter at all today. They have sought an extension and they want a few days uh, to be able to file their new papers. But you will know, Mandy, that this is about the second time that DeFoe has come to court with new lawyers um, and, you know, it, there's a sense really that um, th- this will just keep happening, right, and then the court will have to postpone this matter over and over. However, today, Judge Kufuji has granted them that postponement, um, you know, saying that he'll, uh, she'll, she'll give them the five days to file their papers. Um, and then they've also been uh, given all the um, opposing side. The LPC has been given five days of their own to file their own papers. And then two days later, different lawyers will file their own heads and then we return to court. But as it stands, the Deputy Judge President will now have to make a decision on what date is best suited. And I want us to bear in mind that this matter is being heard on an urgent basis. And so the LPC is not happy about this. They're saying there's no point in this being in an urgent court if there's 10 to 12 days now that it's going to be delayed um, you know, in again. And so um, the matter is still being heard now, and uh, we're expected to hear a final order from Judge Kufuji any moment now. Khomotso, thank you very much. Khomotso Modise, EWN reporter, giving us an update there. Advocate Marisela Tefo, he just uh, seems to hang around the, the media space. Uh, but the LPC, the Legal Professions Council today, uh, bringing that uh, that application. Uh, the Legal Practice Council wants him to be uh, declared in contempt of court. The Midday Report. Five former G4S employees accused of assisting the convicted rapist and murderer Tabo Beste to escape. Today, appearing in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court, there are closing arguments being heard today in that bail application. Uh, that bail hearing of uh, all five has been heard. Uh, this includes a uh, CCTV technician and uh, all sorts of other officials as well. Oren Singh has been watching that for us. So, Oren, take us through some of the... Oh, as I'm talking to you, I can see on the TV... 
that it looks like uh, the court has just adjourned. Everyone's standing up and is walking out. So uh, tell us what has been discussed earlier today. Yeah, evening, uh, Mandy. So basically what we heard today was um, the attorneys for all five of the defense. I think actually two of the attorneys managed to get through their closing arguments. It looks like they've just broken for lunch now, taken a break. Um, we heard earlier in the morning that Khakisho uh, Morori, and that is the attorney representing accused one, Senohe Matsuara, and accused seven in the matter, Theo Franz Makotza. He's rep- representing both accused, and, and during his closing arguments, he argued that Matsuwara, who was the first person arrested in the Tabo Besta matter, he's been detained for a month and 14 days. And he argues that, you know, trial is going to be a long way away. He says that it's possibly looking at six months until we, we get into trial with police still wrapping up the investigations, more arrests imminent. Um, and he claims that it's within the interest of justice that his a client is awarded bail. So, um, we, we've just heard his closing arguments. We've then gone through one of the other attorneys who's representing one of the accused. And they're also calling for their, their clients to be awarded bail. But I think, Manny, the most crucial point here is that the state witness, who was an investigating officer in the matter, previously stated that, you know, police and DCFs have been left with egg on their face. And should these people be awarded bail, it would be just much worse for, for both these departments. So that's where we are at the moment. I mean, the fact that there is even a, a bail application taking place, I and mean, everyone does have the right to do so, it just does seem so astonishing considering the fact that this has to do with prisoners that escaped from the custody of correctional services. There's a lot of irony there. How much uh, is the issue of flight risk being covered? So I think in terms of flight risk, um, most of the accused have handed over their passports to the investigating officers. Um, but the, the one person that's of concern is Senohe Matsuwara. He was the first person arrested in this matter. He was the G4S supervisor who facilitated basically Bess's escape. He was paid at least or allegedly 150,000 rand to do so. And he traveled uh, approximately eight times or four times to Lesotho between October and November last year. So police are a bit concerned about that. We heard in court that he has family in Lesotho, but his passport is in possession of police at the moment. But his uh, attorney arguing that, you know, he isn't a flight risk. So out of all five accused or former G4S employees, I think he's the one that police are most concerned about. Uh, so uh, they've broken for lunch now. Um, we are going to finish closing argument today. When are we expecting a judgment? Uh, how long is a piece of string, Oren? Mm, hopefully, what we heard last week was the magistrates said he, he wasn't sure that they were going to get through judgment today. They were probably going to wrap up closing arguments and then postpone to a later date for judgment to be handed down. Normally, Mandy, we know in these circumstances, judgment can take up to two hours for a magistrate to deliver judgment because he has to basically go over everything that was said in the bail application. So we're looking to possibly postpone to an, another date where judgment will be handed down. Oren, thank you very much. Oren Singh, EWN reporter, giving us an update there. The five former G4S employees accused of assisting the convicted rapist and murderer Tabo Besi to escape. They're applying for bail. They have every right to do so. Their lawyers are arguing why they should be granted bail. Uh, the state not so keen. The Midday Report.
The Gauteng Premier, Panyazila Sufi, is today expected to deliver his maiden budget vote speech at the provincial legislature. He was supposed to start a bit earlier, as I understand it, but uh, slightly delayed there because of a a debate that's taking place uh, around other issues. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, following that one. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Uh, What's being discussed there at the legislature? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, this morning, the opposition and the members of the provincial legislature are debating what the MEC is on the work or job that has been done so far but uh, by the members of the Executive Council. And one thing the DA highlighted this morning is that the, 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 the provincial government has failed to prioritize safety uh, around schools. As we do know, there are some schools where they've been plagued by gangsterism, uh, violence, some learners are stabbing each other. So the DA has sort of bashed the education MEC, Matume Chilwana, of not doing much to ensure that such issues are, are, are addressed. And one thing the DA also mentioned is that uh, this has been a downgrade from uh, the who was the MEC for education to Matume Chilwane. They do mention that ever since he went into office last year as the MEC, not much has changed, not many improvements have been done within the Department of Education. They are also mentioning that uh, the Department of, uh, the provincial government rather has failed to create more jobs, but uh, they have uh, responded saying the Premier has, you know, announced announced 6,000 jobs uh, that will go towards crime prevention. 6,000 more jobs are expected to be created very soon as the uh, provincial government plans to hire 6,000 more people to uh, install solar panels on government buildings. So the uh, provincial government is basically saying that what the opposition and members of the other parties are saying right now is baseless as they do have proof that they have been creating jobs and they have been ensuring that each member of the executive council is fulfilling their task uh, as uh, as per the deadline mm. prescribed by the Premier. Alpha, thank you. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter in the legislature there where uh, Pinyazala Sufi, the Premier, due to uh, to be giving this uh, budget speech today. Uh, the, the Premier has placed a lot of attention on uh, these jobs that have been created uh, where they've been employing people to put solar panels up and where they've employed uh, these people to patrol uh, communities as not police officers but uh, as, as patrollers. Uh, I'm not sure that that is sufficient. I think there's been a lot of backlash to that and that kind of job creation. I'm not sure it really is fundamental reform of uh, job creation to the the scale and extent that is needed. I think it is putting a band-aid over a much bigger problem. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener is brought to you by Nedbank Commercial Banking on 702 and Cape Talk. Nedbank is a licensed FSP and registered credit provider. Well, let's have a look at the situation at the Marikana settlement in Centurion because some residents there refusing to be evicted from their homes. There was a, a really big fire in the area, police responding to reports of a, a potential explosion, a fire along West Road in Centurion as well. The local community policing forum had planned the eviction of residents from the Marikana settlement for today, but that now is not happening. Charles Mabaso is the Twani Emergency Services spokesperson. Uh, Charles, thank you for joining us and, and thanks for giving us uh, your time. Uh, what exactly is happening with this this eviction? Is it an eviction? Uh, do we know what the cause of the fire was? I'm trying to just understand the sequence of events here. Okay, thank you. Good morning and uh, good morning to your listeners. Uh, from the emergency services side, we 
cannot speak on the part of uh, why the eviction and who is uh, conducting the eviction. However, we were called to the scene uh, with the report that uh, there was a fire that broke out. And uh, upon arriving at the scene, we found uh, the South African police as well as uh, private security services on the scene. And then uh, the was uh, the shacks that uh, were burning. And it is alleged that uh, the people who stayed in the shacks burned some of their belongings, you know, to uh, resist the evacuation or the, the eviction. Okay. Charles, thank you very much. Uh, Charles Mabaso, Twani Emergency Service spokesperson, giving us an update there on that situation in the Marikana settlement in Centurion. Cape Talk. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, let's wrap up with some political developments in KwaZulu-Natal. The Premier making changes to her cabinet. Uh, she, uh, Some MM- MECs have been moved from one post to another. There was a vacant post uh, in arts and culture, so that has been uh, been filled as well. And Frank Lomabaso, KZN EWN reporter, following that for us. Um, and Frank, good afternoon to you. Premier Duban Kube, why has she decided to, to shuffle, shuffle? Well, in fact, Mandy, she's currently not in the country. She's in Cape for a conference. The acting premier, Noma uh, Kukusimelani, was the one that announced that, that's changes. Even, that's but even more I mean, bizarre. Why? This comes, why? Well, this comes after the resignation, you recall, of Amanda Pani Mapena, who was the arts and culture and uh, 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 NEC in the province. I do apologize, Mandy, for that background noise. I'm currently outside the provincial government offices where we just received that uh, briefing. So the provincial government says that there was a need for them to fill that vacancy post at the Department of Arts and Culture. But what would raise eyebrows is why remove Dr. Ndutugo Mashaba from public works, um, take him to Arts and Culture? Why not appoint a new MEC who is going, of course, to be serving for the first time as MEC into that uh, Arts and Culture Department? But according to acting Premier Nomakuku Simelane is that this was taken after consultations with both MSs. But the intriguing thing, maybe I must mention, is that Dr. Ntutugo Masaba himself was not in that swearing-in ceremony. Okay, and how has this been received, uh, the, the people that have been placed into the cabinet? Uh, what are opposition parties saying? So many, we, have, we have only reached out to opposition parties, but we have not received any comments as yet. But um, we are also trying to get a hold of Dr. Dutuva just to get a sense of really how does it feel. But Mendy, you would imagine that the Department of Human Settlements and Public Works is one of the biggest portfolios in the provincial government. But from him, for him uh, to be moved from that and to be taken into a different one, really, there's questions there, but he has not been able to get back to us as members of the media. We do know that today he's currently meeting with traditional leaders and, um, you know, the House of Traditional Leaders in Ulund is speaking about a lot of uh, issues really that concerns the land that belongs to the tribal authority. But um, one would wonder, mainly, how is that meeting continuing with him now being as a culture agency? 
That, that is really a bizarre situation. Nklankla, thank you so much for, for letting us know. Nklankla Mabaso, KZN EWN reporter. Imagine being out on, on official business. There, there was once a story I heard about a cabinet minister, um, you may have heard this, who uh, found out that they had been shuffled by former President Jacob Zuma out of their position. And uh, the story goes that the government vehicle dropped them on the side of the road. I don't know how true that is. But imagine being in the, in the, mid- <laughs> in the middle of a meeting and in your current portfolio and being told, oh, sorry, you've been shuffled off to another portfolio. That's what's happened in KZN. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.